Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I'm sitting down. I don't know how long it'll last. I said, bring me a stool because I'm going to try to be calm. uh, And here's why. I have some real important things that need to be said throughout this series. And... As most of you know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate. Uh, some might, that's Greek word for spastic. And, uh, and, and I get pretty fired up. And sometimes when I'm just as fired up as I always am, but I have hard things to say, uh, I don't want that to be misinterpreted as though I'm mad or frustrated or throwing stones. And, and so I'm going to try to be calm because there are some things we have to deal with in these seven churches that are very relevant to where we are today. Uh, we're going to start off kind of easy, so breathe, breathe easy, everybody, all right? This week in the church of Ephesus, next week uh, in the church of Smyrna, but they get a little more intense as we go, all right? So we're either going to really build the church up or we're going to empty it right out, one of the two, all right? Uh, I know, Gene, you'll be here, right? Yeah, I know you will. Uh, I, I heard it said, and I read some things, and a, a number of pastors and I have had some forums on this over the year of 2020, but uh, there's some pretty interesting statistics. I'm not sure if they came out from Barna, but um, that it is estimated that close to 100,000 churches will close directly due to this pandemic within the next couple of years. Uh, some of it will have a ripple effect. And the churches that it affects the most are baby churches, so churches that are five years old or less, which we're in that category. And thank God that we're strong and healthy and vibrant. Um, And older, um, many put them in the, I'm not making the classification, but many mainline denominational churches that are grandpas and grandmas that are aging out and they're living on yesterday's finances and within the next couple of years. And, And I don't know if that bothers anybody, but it ought to bother us. Because we're a part of something that's bigger than what you see right here. And no matter what your style, preference, um, um, how many know the church isn't necessarily about style? Well, styles is about our personality. It's about substance. We're we're a part of something that's bigger. And any time a life-giving, any time somebody that's preaching the gospel and people are coming to Christ and people are growing in Christ and that place is eliminated... That's not good, everybody. And so we, have, as Christians, we really need to make it a matter of prayer for churches. You, you should never drive through this town and pass a church without saying a 20-second prayer. God, I don't even know who that pastor is. I don't even know. But God, there's a cross on there, and I pray they would lift your cro- I pray they would lift your name. I pray you would strengthen that pastor. I pray people would hear your gospel truth there. I pray every enemy that's coming against them, God, they would not prosper in the might. Man, I feel it already. I want to stand up. Come on now, right? I mean, come on now, because we might plant right here, we might plant a seed in your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, your prodigal son, but they go to a special service somewhere else, and God gives the increase there. That's why you ought to be praying, because we're all part of the same team. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Come on, everybody, right? Some people I'm too spastic for, so they need to go to Cardigan Ware in church and, uh, and hear the gospel there. Come on now, all right? 
And, and I say that being funny, but there's truth to that. Because as long as we're lifting up the same Jesus and preaching out of the same Bible, it doesn't matter if we're wearing a t-shirt or a cardigan or a suit, right? As long as Jesus is being glorified. Can I get an amen on that one, right? And so, but my other concern about churches that aren't closing, uh, so if that's true, uh, first of all, God's church will always prevail. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Um, but that doesn't mean every little C church is going to make it. So the big C church is, is always going to prevail. But we have to do something. The scripture shows us some of the churches we're going to talk about are no longer. So just because he said the gates of hell will not prevail, that doesn't mean that the little C church, the Radius church, or the Ephesus church, or the, okay? So, um, and, and so my other concern, not just about the churches that might close, my concern is that, a church stays open, but it's just a dead sect. It's just a religion. It's just an exercise in religious futility. You know what I'm saying? It's not life-giving. I, I think every city, I don't care how many churches are there, I think every city needs another life-giving church, right? And, and, and so uh, I just don't want to see churches just exist. Because I love the church. Does anybody else love the church? Um, maybe it's just because I'm a pastor, but I love the local church. Um, I love the church. The church saved my life. The church came to me. The church rescued me. The church poured into me. The church believed in me. The church gave me a life. The church led my mom to the Lord. The church has been there. Have I received some of my greatest hurts from the church? Absolutely. Have I received my greatest blessings from the church? Absolutely. I love the church, and I still believe that the church is the hope of our community. I still believe that the, the church... Uh, without sounding too cliche, look, we, we have put way too much stock in who's getting elected as president. The hope of our world is not the White House, everybody. The hope of our world is the church, the life-giving, spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ. And uh, Now, here's what's important, because I got all of you amening and clapping, and I got you right where I want you. Because the church is not a building. And the church is not a set of beliefs. And the church is not a denomination. And the church is not an organization. The church is you. The church is me and you. When we gather together, we're the church. And so when we listen to this series, we can't be thinking of, a, oh, those churches, or oh, that church, or oh, the church leadership. When we hear this series, we've got we to gotta take serious stock in when Jesus wrote these letters to the churches, he's saying, what about you? And what about you? Um, so in this series, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. It'll be in back of me. I'm not going to stand up. So, uh, what I want to do is I want to set a warning. Uh, and I know that sounds strong, but I want to set a warning. Do I have that, uh, that slide? Uh, I, I want to set a warning and a standard uh, yeah, for Radius Church. Uh, I can't help what's happening in all the churches uh, though over the next couple of months I get to go speak at some again. It's been like two years since I've got to go anywhere and see what God's doing in some other places. But, but, but for I, I'm not pastoring those churches. I'm pastoring this church. And so what I want to do is I want to set a standard. 
I want God to use this message to the seven churches to help us set a standard and, and, and to help us um, just, just raise the bar. And, and, uh, and, and I know it sounds strong, but I want it to be a warning to us because Jesus is going to talk about some things he was upset about in some of the churches. And, and I like it when somebody else gets in trouble and I can learn from them. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Like when your brother or sister gets in trouble for something, you're like, oh, note to self, don't do what brother did. You know what I'm saying? So I like that. So I want to see what he got upset with those churches about. So I'm like, okay, we ain't going to do that. The second thing I, I, I hope to accomplish is, is I want you to consider your personal part of the church and how you contribute to its health. How do you, how do you contribute? to this thing called the church? Here's a question. Uh, what if the church reflected who you are? What if the whole church was, uh, was reflected in what you do for the church? In other words, would the church still survive at your involvement level, at your generosity level, at your mission level? What if the church was reflective of what you do for the church? Yes, the church is there for us, but are we also there for the church? Because we are the church. And we're going to talk about the law of reciprocity in this series. Um, so, so here's a little bit of background. So Jesus gives John a vision in the book of Revelation. And sometimes when I'm preaching really fast, I'll call it the book of Revelations because I just get going fast. And, uh, but it's not plural. It's singular. It's one revelation that he gives uh, John. And, and, and his wor John's words in this book are very important because basically he's the last man standing. All the other disciples are dead, Paul's gone, I mean, and it's John. And John's been, and we'll find out later why John has been isolated to this island of Patmos is where he's at. And, and Jesus speaks to him, gives him a vision, and said, these are the things I want you to tell the seven churches. Now, just real quick, the, the number seven, particularly in the book of Revelation, is just trying to tell us, uh, I'm just doing seven, but the number seven is like fulfillment or completion or perfection. So in other words, this covers all the church. Okay, I'm going to deal with seven little C's, but it really deals with all of the churches. Uh, and so, and then one more thing I want you to note, especially for those that want to nerd out, I got a squeaky chair, don't I? Uh, I feel a stand-up coming. I feel a stand-up coming. All right. So, so uh, I, for those of you that want to nerd out on some of this stuff, first of all, I'm not going to give you a lot of historical stuff. It's pretty fascinating, but that's not the kind of preacher I am because I don't want you to go out of here with more head knowledge. Uh, I, I want to grab some application. How does that apply to me? Uh, but, but there is some fascinating things about each one of them that we'll probably skip right over. But I, I do want you to pay attention to the rhythm of the letters. Every letter to seven churches have a rhythm to them, and it looks kind of like this. This is not on the screen, but I'll just give it to you. First of all, every letter starts off with Jesus describing himself as something. If you read Revelation chapter number 1, he describes himself as a lot of things. And then as he, as he deals with each church, he identifies himself or a character trait of himself to that church, what that church needs the most. In other words, every letter starts with a reminder that I am God. <laughs> it, it starts off, and, and he'll say something like, I am the first and the last, or I, am, I hold the seven stars in my hand. And, and so each church that needs a specific thing, 
he will remind them who he is. I think this is interesting. You might think this is trivial, but I think it's interesting because every once in a while I need a reminder. Thank you, honey. All right. Not exactly sure how to take that amen, but I'll take an amen wherever I can get it. Thank you, thank you. Nobody else amen. I don't know what's up with everybody else. But I need to be reminded who Jesus is sometimes. Anybody else in the room? Anybody else every once in a while? I know maybe you don't do this, but every once in a while I get in a mess and I forget that he brought me out of a hundred other messes. Every once in a while I get in a financial bind and I forget he's Jehovah Jireh and I just need to be... Every once in a while I just need to be reminded that he is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Every once in a while I need to be reminded that he is our peace that has broken down every wall. Every once in a while I need to remember that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I need to be remember, reminded that he's my Savior and he's my Lord and he's my provider and he's my courage and he's my strength and he's my joy and he's my miracle and he's my... We- Every once in a while, I just need to reflect and look backwards just for a minute and say, oh yeah, he brought me through that, and he brought, oh yeah, and he brought me through, oh yeah, and he was this, and he was a father to me here, and he was a provider for me there, and he was, and, 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 because he hasn't brought me this far to let me go down in flames now. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he's going he's gonna to share with the churches a compliment and uh, what they're doing good. I want to pay real careful attention to these. I want you to pay real careful attention to these uh, because I want us to protect those things. I think one of the things we've lost in modern day church is protecting what's sacred. I would have never thought of running on the church stage when I was a kid. I, I thought like God would have zapped me with lightning. You know what I mean? I just think there's some sacred things that we still need to hold dear. I think when we have communion, we need to recognize that's a sacred thing. When we, we're soon to get back to prayer at the cross, but I, I think we need to treat, I, I know we're the, in the back of a restaurant, everybody, but while we're here, this is God's house, and it's sacred, and sacred things happen here. Come on, everybody, right? Is that sounding too old school for, okay, well, it's going to get worse. Um, so, so he does that. Laodicea uh, is the only church that doesn't get a compliment. Bummer. Sucks to be them. But anyway, all right, we'll talk about them later. Number three, then the third order is he's going to give them uh, a concern or a complaint. And Smyrna and Philadelphia, they didn't have a complaint against them. We'll talk about why. And then lastly, he's going to give them a correction or he's going to make a promise to them. And they're so precious. I mean, I know that's a weird word, but I mean, they're just so, they're sacred. They're awesome. And I want you to hold on to the promises because the, the, the rhythm of the letters say, here's my, here's what you're doing good. Here's what's not so good. If you'll do this, here's my promise to you. Oh, man. And so if we're going to be called the church, we sh- we, we've got to consider this message and these letters that he gives to the church. And, uh, um, and so, and, and the reason this is important, I just want to say this one more time. We are in a time where the world needs a life-giving, healthy, on-fire, loving Jesus kind of church. Amen, Amen everybody. We, we need it bad. And we need to figure out how to navigate and show that love in a world that's changing every single day, right? 
So let's go to it. Let's go to Revelation. Maybe you brought a Bible. Uh, I did bring my Bible, but uh, I think uh, just for the sake of you being able to also see it up here. Let's go. Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 1 through 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church. Now now remember the rhythm, okay? Remember the rhythm, and I'm going to break it down. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Uh, this is important. Let me stop real quick on this. The, there's an uh, many theologians believe that every church, just like every person has a guardian angel, right? And you are part of the church, so we all have a guardian angel. How many of you are glad for that? Some of you are really giving your guardian angel a run for their money. Some of your guardian angels are bored, though, okay? I'm just saying. And uh, it's like, come on, you're not dead yet. Do something already, all right? And so, but not only do we all have a guardian angel, many scholars believe this helps us understand that every church has a guardian angel. And I can make the same statement about a church. I I want my guardian angel of Radius Church to be busy because we're trying to do some stuff, right? Not not bored like, well, you you got any other churches out there, Lord? Okay, okay. So write this letter to the angel of the churches in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars. He's revealing himself, who holds the seven stars in his First of all, that's a cool picture, ain't it? I mean, Jesus just walks amongst the galaxies and has, like, marbles in his hands that are the stars. You, you, you understand? I want you to see the bigness of God here. He just holds seven stars in his hands. Come on, you know you're bad when you can hold seven stars in your hand. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Uh, bad in a good way. I've seen somebody say, what's that mean? Okay, so, all right. And, and, and the one who walks among the seven gold lamp stands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. There's a lot of that going on these days. We're going to dive into it, okay? You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. One of, the, one of the things you're going to see as a hallmark in the seven churches is Jesus loves faithfulness. He does not call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. He didn't call me to build a church. He called me to be faithful to the church, and he will build his church. Come on, right? Okay, uh, but, now here comes the complaint, <laughs> but... I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. I chose this translation for a reason. Some translations say, but you left your first love. Okay? Um, um, Let's see, verse number 5. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Now we're starting to see, here's his... Here's his direction to us. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand. So lampstand's important in this church from its place uh, amongst the churches. Uh, Is that all I got right there for right now? I think it is. Okay, good. All right. Um, Let me get this chair out of the way. That ain't going to work. All right. So first of all, Jesus reveals himself. Just real quick on this, he holds the seven stars. Basically, uh, the seven stars are the seven churches. So he wants us to know, I'm holding you, church. I got you. In a pandemic, I got you. In in, in all that's going on in your world, I got you. In all the wars, I got you. I said I would build my church. I got you. Whatever I create, I'm going to take care of. Isn't it good to know that he's got us? 
Come on, he's got us. He holds us in his hands. Uh, he's got the whole world in his hands. Sing it, everybody. No, don't do it, all right? And, 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 and so then again, uh, he, there's an angel for every church. And, and I love this because he says he walks amongst the candlesticks, or this translation says amongst the lampstands. Uh, he is in the midst of, he, he is the light that is in the church. The reason that when we gather together, our desire is to lift up the name of Jesus is that's our lampstand. That's what separates us from what's happening anywhere else. Because there's a lot of clubs that meet. Come on, everybody. There's a, there's a lot of cliques that meet. There's a lot of organizations that meet. But they don't have a lampstand. When we come together, he walks among. He's the fire in the lampstand. Come on now, right? And so that's what he's saying. I'm the light. Don't, don't think it's about you. Don't think it's about your... I'm the light in that church, okay? So he walks amongst the churches, and he says, if you'll follow me, the light will burn bright. Okay, so let's get into the compliments. You ready for the compliments? All right, you better absorb these while you can, because they go downhill from here. All right, everybody? Here we go. Let's talk about the compliments. In the church of Ephesus... He basically, I'm going to just break it into three compliments that he gives them. And the first thing he says is he says, I know what you're doing. Uh, the, he, he says he, he's complimenting their work. He's complimenting the things you do. This might be something that we're not hearing enough in the church anymore. And I may be guilty because I'm a preacher that preaches a lot about grace, and I'm the first one to tell you it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. But we also need to be doing something, everybody, because we are His hands and we are His feet. He left here and said, greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. That means we got to do something. I'm going to say it again. Thank you, honey. I said, we got to do something. We have got to get over the days that we have turned the American church into coming in here and some guy preached some message and we're like, "Ooh, that was a good one. Can't wait to come back next week. Oink, oink. And let's come back again and hear another one. Oink, oink. And let's come back again. After a while, you're going to get sick and tired of hearing unless you're doing. It's true. Now, I'm not yelling that at you guys. I'm just... I told you, see, it sounds like I'm mad, but I'm not, all right? See, a healthy church ought to be doing, let me say it another way, a healthy Christian ought to be doing something that has eternal significance. I know you're busy doing your job. I know you're busy raising your kids. I know you're busy going to soccer practice. But the question becomes, the compliment is what you're doing for eternity. What are you doing that has eternal value? A healthy church should be doing. And again, salvation is free. You don't earn it. But spiritual maturity, it demands action. I recently taught it on discipleship. Matthew chapter number 4, Jesus told the disciples, he said, come follow me, come follow me. That's, that's salvation. And he said, I will make you, that's transformation, fishers of men. That's doing something. He said, if you're going to follow me, ultimately the goal is that you're going to be doing something. I'm, I'm not going to be the only fisher of men. I want you. Isn't it an amazing thing that he uses imperfect people to do his work? It's really a privilege. So the first compliment was what they are doing. So here's the question that you should ask when you leave church, sometime when the computer's off. Here's the Don't answer it right now, but I want you to consider, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you loving people? Are you serving people? Are you generous are you, are you about the mission of the church? Um, 
Let me ask the question again. What if the church was a reflection of who you are? What if the whole personality of the church was a reflection of your level of generosity, your level of service, your level of work, your level of service? Come on, that, that could be a tough question. It could be a good question. I don't know. And I'm not throwing stones. I just want you to consider the question. That's all. Um, uh, and, and see, there's this thing that we don't teach anymore called the law of reciprocity. Here's a verse to write down. This isn't in your notes. Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 6. It says, anybody who has received instruction through the word of God ought to give back to their instructor. That's in it. Now, that's not talking about giving back to the pastor. If you come to this place, and this is the place that feeds you spiritually, this is the place that got you in your right mind, this is the place that's partnering with you to raise godly kids, this is the place that's helping your marriage glorify God, this is the place that's helping you get your finance, this is the place where you are growing deeper in your walk with Christ, then this is the place that you need to bring something back. You've got to bring back, yes, sometimes it's money. Money, because it takes money to pay light bills you got to bring your gifts back to the house of God otherwise one thing will become bankrupt come on marriages it happens all the time one's always giving one's always receiving and they never give and one day you're going to go to the ATM and there's going to be no sufficient funds right everybody and so a healthy church a healthy relationship of any kind there can't just be consumers. There has to be contributors. It's the law of reciprocity. If only it rains on the earth, but the earth never gives back, then the earth floods. But if the earth only gives up and the heavens never give back, then we have a drought. What's happening in America's church, I'm telling you this, my suspicion why pastors are dropping out is because we've turned the church into an entertainment industry and we come in here, if he can top this week's message with last week's message and we compare it to whatever, uh, whatever we see anywhere, but we have nobody come, I shouldn't say nobody, the balance is out and there's no rhythm and eventually pastors are becoming bankrupt leadership teams are becoming bankrupt it yes it's important what you are doing please love me enough to say amen to that seriously listen i love you enough to preach this because this is not about me you go to any church you want to but you're mature enough now to bring something back to it bring a smile lift your hand because somebody sitting in back of you might need to borrow your faith when you're praising God. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I go to the back of this little room and I stand there and I see some people on fire for God and it's just like, yes, God, thank you. There's people on fire for you. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? The next compliment is that he complimented not just what they were doing, he complimented their endurance. Oh, I love this. See, anyone can serve God when it's easy. Anybody can serve God pre-pandemic. <laughs> but can you serve God when it doesn't make sense? But can you, uh, can you honor God? Can you serve God? Can you stay faithful in the tough times? Can you, can you be generous in the tough times? Can you be faithful in your finance? Can you be faithful in the church in the tough times? Come on, everybody. That's a mark of spiritual maturity. Right? Uh, Let's see, should I sit back down or not? 
He, he rewards faith. Uh, he, um, let me tell you a little story, lighten things up a little bit. I took my first church. I told you the story many times. The church was in bankruptcy. I was 27 years old. Uh, m- my wife and I, we sold everything to take this church because they really couldn't give us very much salary. They had an old church. We sold our cars. They had an old rusty church van with the church phone number on the side. I was driving the church van. Drove the church van into my first day at the office. I was the only staff member. Back then, I wore a nice, crisp white shirt and tie. Woo! Come on. And I walk in. I'm the only one there. I don't know why I had a white shirt on. I mean, it's the dumbest thing ever. Nobody was going to see me. I walk into the church. I'm the first one there. And, and I notice, man, the air conditioners are running. Why do they run their air conditioner all the time? So when I got done that day, I turned off all the air conditioners. Went home. Went back. Those were the days where we had, like, office hours because we didn't have iPhones and you know we had to sit by the phone in case it rang I walked in the the next day and and I had turned off the air conditioner well nobody told me that they left the air conditioners running because the heat sensors would malfunction and and the and and the the alarms would go off and the air conditioners hadn't been turned off in so long that when I turned them off all the condensation and the ice that had built up melted and when I walked into the foyer that morning all the ceiling tiles were soaking wet and had fallen in Thank you, Jesus. I love this church. I'm glad to be here, Lord. So I go in my office, and the phone's ringing, and I'm the janitor, the pastor, the secretary. I'm doing it all. I answer the phone. Hello, blah, blah, blah. And, and only to be, first phone call I ever took at my church, got chewed out because some person followed me to the office and back of that old junky church van, and the phone number was on that church van, and they called me because one of my brake lights was out and told me I was going to kill somebody because one of the brake lights was out. And I wanted to say, well, if I did kill somebody, I'd give them a discount on their funeral because I didn't mean to, you know, not have a brake light but I didn't say that then the next phone call and this is very serious it's going to sound silly but it was really serious at the time a lady calls and she's like contemplating ending her life and I'm on this major phone call water's dripping on my head it's ridiculous I'm and I'm like oh yeah I'm listening and I'm trying to talk her off the ledge all of a sudden the most ear-piercing alarms go off you have ever heard in your life because there goes the malfunction heat sensors, right? I, how many remember the phones with the long cords? I took the long cord. I, I had a bathroom in my office, went in there, went in the shower with the long cord, closed the bathroom door, closed the shower door. Yes, ma'am, God loves you. He has a plan. Beep, beep, beep. And, and the next thing I know, fire trucks are showing up in the parking lot. This, this is my second day on the job, everybody fire department's in there they're knocking anybody here well there wasn't a car out there there was just the old church van out there so I was hiding in the shower I was not coming out it's bad when you got to put a lady on hold that's contemplating ending her life I'm sorry ma'am could you just hold for just one second I put her on hold I'm sneaking out looking out the window there's fire trucks everywhere they they must have had a key the next thing I know they're in the building they're knocking on the office doors anybody in there I can hear them on the radio everything's clear here it's another false alarm they're going to get a bill from us this time I could hear it I'm not about to go out there I'm scared It was a terrible, terrible day. But you can put up with a lot of where you're at right now when you know that where you're at is not where you have to stay. Can you you be faithful? 
Can you keep working the plan? Can you keep working your faith? Can you keep trusting Him when you can't trace Him? There's a lot of people that said, where is God in 2020? Well, I'm sure God is right where He needs to be. But can you keep on trusting Him? Can you keep on praising Him when you didn't get your answer? Can you keep on praying? Can you keep on coming to church? Can you keep being a part of the body of Christ even when it doesn't look like you're getting anything out of it? Come on, because where you're at is not where you have to stay again let me say he rewards faithfulness everybody come on i gotta say he rewards faithfulness and faithfulness trumps your feelings faithfulness trumps what's happening in society it's amazing to me how us americans complain about things that third world countries would absolutely laugh at can you be faithful in america Well, they're taking away our freedom. Really? What freedoms? I'm still here. I'm still preaching the gospel. We're still honoring our God. We're still carrying a Bible around. Can you be faithful, everybody? That's what he rewards. The third compliment he gives them, man, we're in trouble. I'm only on this. Um, He he rewards their integrity. I love this. Uh, This is so profound because he said they don't allow the world's viewpoint to taint their life-giving church. He said there's false prophets that tried to come in. In other words, it, it said it. There's liars that try to come in. And you guys wouldn't put up with it. Woo! Now, it doesn't mean we kick them out of church. It means that we believe his message above their message. Come on, everybody. I've seen a lot of false prophets happening in 2020. I've seen a lot of people saying, well, God this and God this and the church this and pastors this and Christians this. A lot of yippity-yap stuff. He said, but but, uh, what I love about you guys is you're not putting up with that. You're not putting up with the lies. You're believing the truth and you're standing for truth. I I thank you for your integrity. Mm. Give me a minute. I'm contemplating if I want to say this next thing or not. All right. Um, Listen, we got to know our Bibles. We have to know our Bibles. Our church is four years old, and I've already had to correct people that are trying to teach other people things that are wrong and not in the Word of God, declaring it's in the Word of God. So that means liars might be amongst us i can't find them all but you got to know the word of god and you got to have the whole come on is is that okay to talk about you got to know the word of god please don't just take everything hook line and sinker and if they snuck in and they started a life group and they started teaching something we'll catch up with them eventually in the meantime you ought to check out what your Bible says. Come on, everybody. If you've noticed about Radius, we, we don't police everything. We're an empowering church, and there's a lot of good things about that. But I mean, no, it might take us a week or two to find the liars. Come on, everybody. Okay, I'll sit back down. Let's sing it. Kumbaya, my Lord. Okay, right? I, I say this because I love you, church. You... Listen, I'm not there every minute. I, I'm not Jesus. I'm just the guy. I'm just, I'm like you. 
So you got to know the word and you got to you got to you got listen, the the false prophets, they're going to get more and more as we get more and more into the end times because everybody has a solution. All right, let's move on. (laughs) That was the compliments. Wait till you hear the complaint. Number two is the complaint. What I like about this is is he gives a lot of compliments, but he only gives one complaint. And it starts in verse number four. Depending on what translation you read, he says, uh, one translation, he he says, but I have this. So he says, but. (laughs) One translation says, nevertheless. uh, and, And I heard somebody tell me one time, look, people can compliment you, but whatever they say after but, that's what you got to really listen to, <laughs> you know. Well, here it comes. Here comes the boom, everybody. Uh, and, and so here it is. Um, he says, give me that verse. Number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat. I'm, I'm somewhat against. Some churches, he's really. This one, look, I just, I'm somewhat against. If he's going to be mad at me about something, I just want it to be somewhat. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little disturbed, <laughs> okay. I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left Watch this. I brought the King James Version back because it's, it's a little closer to the original language. So let's look at it. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left. Notice this word. Left thy first love. You've left it. Mm. I think that's important. Because some people will quote that and say, he has something against you because you lost your first love. And it's a world of difference. That, that verse takes on a whole new meaning if you change the word left to lost. Because if you lost something, anybody here ever lost something and didn't find it? We lost a diamond ring one time, never found it. But I can, I can leave something. If I left something, I have a greater possibility of returning to the place. Oh. If you left something, you can go back to the place that you got off track. You can go back to the place that you zigged when you should have zagged, right? And this verse, I'm going to just be very transparent. This verse haunts me as, uh, uh, it haunts me because some would call me a professional Christian. (laughs) Because I get paid to study my Bible. Would I study my Bible just as much if I didn't get paid to do what I do? As a pastor, that's one of the, this verse haunts me because I don't want to become like the Christians at Ephesus, that I'm doing all the right things, but my love for God has become mechanical. Come on, everybody. And you don't have to be a pastor to be concerned about that. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying on that? See, I don't want me and I don't want you to become cold and mechanical. I don't want you to come in here and serve on the dream team and be in a life group and lift your hands and come in here and and you're doing all the right things, but your love for God, you've left that somewhere. In other words, I heard an old-time preacher tell me this way when I was first getting in ministry. He said, Ken, don't become so busy working for the king that you forget the king. Mm. You're more passionate about style than substance. Uh, and, and when you lose your love for God, you listen to this. The reason this is important, because when you, when I'm saying lose, they left. But when you leave your love for God, when you leave your love for God behind, watch this, it shows up. You lose your love for people then. You ever seen mean Christians? Yeah, oh, we've all seen them. You, haven't, you, you can't be in the church very long without coming across a mean Christian. 
When you're not loving people, I know in my personal life when I'm getting irritated and I'm getting shorter with people than I ought to be, it means that I need to go back and spend some more time with God and fall more in love with God because God loves people, God is gracious toward people, and the more I spend time with Him, the more I'm like Him. Come on, everybody. I cannot lose my love for God without, without losing my love for people. Does that make sense? Um, when I fell in love with Patty, I did silly things. Any of you husbands and wives do silly things? Come on, you better raise your hand. I'll tell on you if you don't, right? I mean, we'd spend the whole day together. Ooh, uh, how you doing, girl? I mean, we'd spend the whole day together. Drop her off at home at night. Drive all the way home. Pick up the phone. Hey, girl, what's up? What you been doing? I mean, it's been like three minutes. You know what I'm talking about? I spend money on her, spend my time on her. I mean, I, I love her so much, I watch crazy movies like The Notebook with her. Come on, everybody. You know I love Jesus. There is no guy in this place that would watch The Notebook without a woman. Come on now. That's the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life. I go eat, I, I go eat frozen yogurt with her. There's no man in the world that's going to eat frozen yogurt. You know what I'm talking about? Unless it isn't because I'm in love. Come on, men, where are you at? Gary, help a brother out back there now. There ought to be some things you do because you love God. Yes, you look silly to the world because you put money in the church. Yes, you look silly because you get up every day on your day off and you go to church. Yes, you look silly when you lift your hands to worship Him when the whole world is falling apart. Of course you look silly, but you're in love. Come on now. Here's a question. What if God blessed you in direct portion to your passion for Him? I'm glad He doesn't. I'm glad He doesn't. His grace is bigger than my passion. But just consider the question. John said it this way. And John said this. Just jot this down. I'm going to read it really fast, so if you're going to try to keep up with me, forget about it. You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Remember I said a couple weeks ago, you can know the Word of God and not know the author of the Word of God. So, man, you, in other words, you're doing all the right things, but there's no love connected to it. Um, and and uh, give me this real quick. I want to at least say this, because uh, I want to justify this scripture a little bit. If all you have, if you only have the word of God, you're going to dry up. If, if you're taking this as a history book and you're reading it with no love, no anointing, no Holy Spirit, all you're going to do, if you just read the word, you'll dry up. But if you only have the spirit and no word, you're going to blow up. <laughs> In other words, you're going to get arrogant. Oh, look at me. I'm more spiritual than... I, I've, been in, I've been in the charismatic circles, and I've seen the I'm better than everybody. We're more spiritual than everybody. But if you have the Word of God working with the Spirit of God, then you'll grow up. Come on, everybody. The Word of God was never meant to be a history book read without the presence of the Holy Spirit helping interpret it in our life. Okay, i got to hurry. Number three, the third thing. So we have the compliment, we have the complaint. Now let's look at the counsel. Let's look at the evaluation. Um, he tells them, he says, here's what I want you to do. And I read this in the first opening verse. He says, I want you to turn back. I just want you to turn back. Hey, everybody, I don't mean this uh, to sound like I'm speaking down to anybody, but this is not brain surgery. This is not complicated stuff. 
He's not saying, I want you to crawl on your hands and knees to Mecca and do three Hail Marys. And No, no, he's just saying, I want you to return. I just want you to go back to where you left your first love. That's all I need you to do. I, I just want you to return. Ooh, go back. Hey, is anybody else here glad that you've never gone too far that you can't turn back? Aren't you glad that you've never made a mistake so big that you just can't go back? Aren't you glad that no matter how hideous, how bad, how nasty, how ugly that thing was, that it's never too bad that you can't just turn around and go right back and fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I left you somewhere, and I'm glad you're still here waiting for me. Come on, everybody. Yes. He says, repent. He says, repent and go back. And repent, literally, without getting into all the language, it literally means go back the other direction. Change direction. That's the simplest definition. Change direction. Acts chapter number 3 says it this way. I love this. There's a promise. He says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing might come. If your passion and your love for God isn't where it used to be, if you'll change directions, this could be very subtle, okay? If I'm watching more news than I'm spending in the presence of God, and I'm wondering why my passion for God isn't what it used to be, then I need to change directions, because if I always do what I've always done, I'm going to always get what I've always had. And so if I change directions and repent, then a time of refreshing will come. Does that make sense? Can we go just a little bit farther? So, so he counsels them like this. He says, repent and return. So let me just ask a question. Don't answer it here. What do you need to repent for? And what do you need to return to? What spiritual discipline have you left behind that you need to get back to? Is it worship? Is it Bible? Is it prayer? Is it time with God? Is it margin in your life? Is it just remembering? Repent and return. Just remember what He's done, right? Can, can anybody think back to when you weren't saved? Anybody? Can anybody conjure up the feelings that you had before you got saved? Can anybody remember the desperation, the emptiness? So, does anybody remember the pre-salvation days, the hangover days? I, there's a whole lot of other things I'd like to say that I'd make God read your mail eventually, all right? But, but do you just remember the, the utter feelings? Sometimes we need to look back and say, when I think of your goodness and what you've done for me, you healed my body, Anybody? You healed my emotions, anybody? You touched my mind, anybody? You broke generational curses, anybody? You filled me with joy. You filled me with peace. You, you helped me start all over. Your grace gave me a life that I should never have. Anybody here? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Repent and return and remember. Woo! All right, number, number four. So here's the consequences, though, if you don't. Here's the consequences. He says, if you don't, it, first of all, isn't it great that he's gracious enough to at least give us a warning? Huh? Please don't ignore. Listen, 
when your oil light comes on the dashboard of your car, that means something. There isn't one of, well, I shouldn't say that. There isn't a smart person in the room that when the gas light comes on, eventually you got to pull over and get some fuel. Because the car is telling you, I'm running on empty. Jesus is saying, you're running on empty. You need to return and get fueled up. Okay? Um, and, and, and he's gracious enough to warn us, but every action has a reaction. He says, I'll remove the lampstand. That's what he says. He says, if you don't, I'm going to remove the lampstand. See, uh, let me say this without being, uh, I hope this isn't sacrilegious or sounding sacrilegious, but it's like God plays the stock market. Hey, there's a group of believers there. They love people. They're on fire for me. I got some broken people I'm going to send over there, and they're a good investment. So I'm going to keep sending broken people because there's life. There's a lampstand. There's light. But if I send people over there, and they're mean, and they're ornery, and there's no life, and there's no lamp, then I'm going to invest somewhere else. Come on now. Anybody remember that little song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? That's what he's saying. I don't want to remove the, because the next verse says, hide it under a bushel. Well, from the south, you know what a bushel is here in the north? (laughs) Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. When the world is in chaos, I'm going to let it shine. When the world has no answers and a pandemic takes over our lives, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let your light shine. It's free fuel, everybody. We don't have to have the biggest band We don't have to have the coolest building. We don't have to have the hippest pastor or the best coffee. We don't have to have any of that. The free fuel is this little light of mine. And if you don't give life, if you don't remember where you left the love, all I want you to do is gather together and love me and love one another and love whoever I send in. No matter what political party they're in. Just love people. Come on, would you hear that today? Um, Let me just give you a couple things real quick because I I really do want to close this up. So here's the practical question. Here's the preacher in me that always comes out and says, um, by the way, real quick, if you were to go to Ephesus today, you'd see some cool things. If you were to take a tour there, you'd see some pretty cool stuff. You could go on a tour and, 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 and see the amphitheaters, and you could see the graveyards of the gladiators. But you know what you wouldn't see? There's no church. There's no life-giving church. There's some churches that are museums. But he removed the lampstand. It had been one of the early Christian centers. He said, look, if you don't repent and return, I'll remove the lampstand. I want to be a light in this community. This community needs another light, everybody. Right? Okay, real quick, I'll fly through these. How do we get our first love back? Say, Ken, okay, I left my love. How do I do it? Can I just give you some real simple things? Number one is remember. Just remember, 
Okay, they're on here. Just, just remember. Go back and remember what he's brought you through. Let, let's just take a real quick survey. And as long as you can hold your hand up, hold it up. I'm going to see if I can get every hand up. In the, did, has God healed physically anybody in the room? Hold your hand up, okay? Has God uh, broke generational curses for anybody? Hold your hand. Keep, uh, even if you were on the first question. Uh, has he healed your mind and your emotions? Let me see your hand. Has he restored a marriage? Has he worked a miracle in your life? Has he put joy in your life? Has he broken addiction in your life? Just remember from where you've come from. I've told this story before. I keep a little picture of me where I write my sermons. It's a little picture of me standing with my hands in my pocket, got bangs down here. And there's a bullet hole in the window in back of me because it was a really tough neighborhood. And I keep it there because when I look at that picture... It reminds me that somehow God's grace found me. Remember where you've come from. Number two is then repent. And I've already talked about repent. Turn back. Just turn back. Change your mind. Change your heart. Change your direction. One of the ways you change your mind is get in the Word of God and then return. Go back to your first works. Okay? Here's some other real practical things. If you don't know, just going to go through them real quick. Worship. In the day of technology, there is not a single reason in the world that you ought to wait till Sunday. We don't do a lot of worship here. We come in, do a song or two, you know, and we're on our way. Because we live in a world of technology. Dude, you can make YouTube. You could do whatever you want. Just worship God. And you don't even have to have music. By the way, worshiping God is not about music. Music can enhance worship to God, but worship Him. What do you mean? Adore Him. Clap for Him. Bless His name. Talk, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Lift his name up. Number The second thing we can do is pray. Philippians says, everything, bring everything to him in prayer. If you feel like you're burdening Jesus with prayers, you're listening to a lie. He's the one that said, bring everything to me in prayer. All things with prayer and supplication. How about get into God's word? And I, that's another thing. We as a church, I don't know how much easier. We, we got a prayer journal for you. It's free. We got to read through the Bible. It's free. Just go on the app. It's there. Re, get to know God. Um, grow in His grace. And, and how about return to generosity? Let's just be the most generous. Generous people prosper, everybody. All right? Okay, I got to end. Um, would you put on uh, this song? Here's, what I wanna, here's how I want to end. Did you get anything out of that? All right.